friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, joined as always by Seamus Clancy. A little bit of a somber note. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies do wind up losing the World Series in six games to the Houston Astros. Like we called it. <laughs> totally. Uh, well, I did say if the Phillies had to win in five, um, they did not win in five. So um, they lost in six. Uh, but I don't want to spend too much time. We can spend a little bit of time, of course, talking about kind of what went wrong and uh, decisions that were made and what we thought of them. But I also want to mostly just kind of thank the Phillies for the run that they've had because, man, that filled an otherwise dull, possibly dull moment in our in our sports lives, maybe our lives in general, um, <laughs> to have those few weeks of Phillies baseball that were very fun and very exciting. We're definitely going to talk Eagles and their win over the Texans preview Monday night against the Commanders coming up. Uh, and Sixers, James Harden, his injury, Joel Embiid kind of coming to life here for a little bit, and then Flyers, another veteran benching by John Tortorella, because that's uh, apparently going to be a thing all this season. But I want to start with the Phillies for sure, and I guess we could get it out of the way first. So they lose game six. The clear thing that everyone wants to talk about is the removal of Zach Wheeler um, in the sixth inning. Going to Jose Alvarado, who, you know, um, you were on Alvarado's hit a home run that I still don't think has actually landed yet. Um, absolutely smoked it. Guys, a hell it of did. A ball it player. did because they have that fake ballpark. It did. Not. I think it ricocheted <laughs> off something in their bullshit ballpark. Um, but he is, uh, you know, Senoran Alvarez is, is a monster. He hadn't had a very good playoff run, quite frankly. Um, so that was like his first kind of big hit, and it came at the Worst possible time for the Phillies uh, for him to to get it going there. But I guess I'll ask your opinion first and and I'll kind of chip in here and there. But they pull Rob Thompson makes a decision to pull Zach Wheeler. Now, Zach Wheeler's your ace, of course. Uh, he, he had been up until the first World Series start had been absolutely electric, arguably the best pitcher in the postseason um, up until that point. Did not look so good in the first start against Houston. Velocity was way down. Concerns about his arm and fatigue. Clearly uh, Rob Thompson played it well by giving him a little bit of extra rest and having him start game six because uh, some, you know, that velocity returned. He looked outstanding, really not a lot of hard contact at all either. A lot of people on the, a lot of people kind of going after Rob Thompson for pulling him for going to Alvarado. That is kind of the way he managed all throughout the playoffs. And it did kind of work pretty darn well up until that moment. So, I guess for you, take me through when that moment happened, what your feelings were, and now that you've had some time to think about it, where you are. I hated it. Knew it was over. Just kind of a dour mood for me today, I guess. Yeah, at the, at the time, every group chat's popping up. How are they doing this? What the F are they doing? And I get that they don't make it that far. I'm just talking about the playoffs, with the regular season without yeah. Rob Thompson coming in, saying that shit, changing the, the demeanor of the locker room in that clubhouse and putting their guys in the best position to win, maximizing a bullpen that isn't super duper talented, giving confidence to his offensive players, letting them, letting them go into their roles based on where they're in the batting order, things like that. But I mean, it's a move that unless he wins a world series at some point in the next two or three years, will define his legacy as in major league baseball overall, not just as a manager in Philadelphia, not in the city, that will define him for the rest of his career unless he wins a World Series in Philadelphia in the next couple of years. 
is taking that guy out. Maybe that's a shame because of, again, he didn't even get nominated for NL Manager of the Year, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, they have Buck Showalter in there. I'm like, dude, this – and again, you do the voting before the the World Series, so it's, it's not like we're continuing and factoring the playoffs or anything like that. But, man, I hated it. Uh, still hate it. And I tweeted at the time, you know, everyone's trying to do the, oh, well, like, let's just be glad that we got here. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm happy for the Phillies. But they had 1-0 World Series lead. They had a 2-0 World Series lead. They had a lead in game six on the road. They blew it. I mean, you can be happy for this run. You can be happy for that. I'm happy I got to enjoy it. I had great content for work. I had a bunch of amazing time with my fiance, my friends, my family, all this cool stuff. And it's something that I'll always remember. But what I'll remember just as much is that feeling of Zach Wheeler coming out, the ensuing home run, and the knowing and the knowledge that this run is getting is over. It's getting the brakes are halting and the Phillies are just left again without a world series win. So it, it kind of sucks. I think there's a lot. Sure. I think I'm not someone who's going to police your fandom. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with just saying, I'm happy that we got here. You can't win every year. You can't do this. You can't do that. Let's just be happy for the last month. And I am happy for it, but at the, at the end of the day, they blew a, a magical shot of the championship that comes around literally once every 15 or so years. And yeah, who knows yeah. when they get back? Who knows when right. they get back? Maybe this is more of a 93 team rather than a 2008-2019. Maybe it is the once-in-a-generation team, the lightning in the battle team, not something that's going to be a model of sustained success. And we could say, hey, they're going to load up with this guy, this guy next year, they'll have this. But after 2011, they set a franchise record in wins. I didn't think we expected them to not have a winning record in 2012. Certainly didn't expect them not to have what a winning, a winning record for another 9, 10, 11 years. It sucks. I- I would I would say just on that topic, I think it's somewhere in between. I, I don't think it's quite as lightning in a bottle as 93 was, but I also don't think it's as sustainable and as it's not going to be like, you know, 2007 through 2011. Like, I, I don't see that just because simply um, the home homegrown talent, you know, they, they do clearly have three young pitchers that they're very, very high on one in particular that people seem to think has a chance to be very very special but they don't have utley rollins howard hamels you know carlos ruiz like they don't have this ridiculous um pool of of young talent coming up i mean it's yes they have a lot of talent and they have a lot of talent that's signed but they're they're not the youngest guys and so but i would say again not quite to the level of lightning at a bottle of 93 because 93 really from a pitching perspective, it was Kurt Schilling and like, that was it, right? Like they, they, everyone else in that pitching staff, like pitch. Oh, Danny Jackson was actually a, a pretty darn good pitcher in his own right. But most of those guys, it was like, that was their year. They were great. Well, Terry Mulholland too. So I'm, I'm talking out of my ass. Um, But the point is, I, I don't think, I think this team has a, a, definitely has a better chance for more sustained success than the 93 team. And speaking of the 93 team, Ryan Lawrence had a great tweet. And he said, he said when Alvarez hit that home run, he said, it's like watching Joe Carter's home run, but having to suffer until the last out because you're not going to turn it off, but you know, it's over. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly how it felt. It was such an, it was so gut wrenching when it happened um, for me. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, of course I'm disappointed. Uh, I wanted, I wanted them to win the World Series. And like you said, they, they won the first game. They won. They didn't, they didn't get swept. I think it's a lot easier to have this. Hey, 
I don't yeah. want to say participate. I don't mind making this like a boomer generational thing, but it's a lot easier to say, hey, we won the pennant. We had a great run. If he gets swept in four games, if sure. it's something simple like that, where they're up, they're down 3-0 and win one game at home and they lose in five. That's a lot easier of a pill to swallow as a fan, I think, in retrospect saying, hey, we're just happy to be here. They won game one on the road yeah. in historic fashion. And then they had a 2-1 series lead with home field advantage. They had stolen a home field advantage from a 106-win team that has been a juggernaut for a half decade. That's the blown chance. And then you see instances where the Dodgers, they're winning 100 games every year. They've only won World Series, one World Series in this era. Yeah. The Astros, perennially the best team in the American League, have won twice in the last five or six years and made the World Series multiple times outside of winning it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. The only, the only thing I would push back a little because I'll say this. I, again, I, I, I'm i not a participation trophy guy. Like, I, I wanted them to win. I, I, I didn't, you know, I clearly, yes, very happy that they that they did this. Very surprised they did this. But I still it was great. It was great. Yeah. It was great for but, the city. It was great for us. It was great for Absolutely. Her. But I still wanted them to win while they were there. To me, I think they won the first game and they won the second game. And part of it was the recipe that got them there. But I also think the recipe that got them there, I think it proved to be like slightly unsustainable um, because like the Astros, the, the the starter they rolled out for game four took a no hitter through six innings. Their game four starter. The Phillies, both of their aces got rocked, right? Um, they got their best outing from Ranger Suarez, who was, absolutely sensational um throughout the postseason so it's just i i i hear what you're saying but my th- i think the reason why i can kind of sit here and be like yeah i'm bummed they lost but happy and grateful for the journey is the astros just had like arm after arm after arm and it just was like it's it felt like dusty baker had an answer not because respectfully not because i think dusty baker's the greatest manager of all time because no. he just had them. He just had all these guys. There wasn't a bad option to go to. Whereas the Phillies, it was like, yeah, of course, like Alvarado was really good for most of the playoffs. Dominguez was really good for most of the playoffs. You throw David Robertson out there, your your fingers are crossed, right? You throw, respectfully, Noah Syndergaard actually did a pretty good job. But when you throw Noah Syndergaard out there, your fingers are crossed. Same with Andrew Bellotti. Same with Connor Brogdon. Like, these aren't guys that I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, they're good. Like, I, you're getting three outs. I, I can count on that. There was a, a high implosion rate with any of those pitchers, including Alvarado and Dominguez, right? Like, um, so uh, to me, I, I that's why to like it's a little bit easier of a pill for me to swallow because I can just see why they lost. They didn't have the pitching horses to keep up with the Astros, and I know some people want to really get on the Phillies hitting in the lineup, and I get that, and of course they bear some responsibility here. They didn't score runs, they struck out a ton. But the Astros did this to the Yankees, too. They swept the Yankees. The Yankees didn't win a game against them. Um, so that and I feel like I'm piling into this. Like I just said, I don't want to give out a participation trophy, but I feel like I'm angling for that right now. But that's not really what I'm saying. I just, just for me, I can be happy and content with the run because I can see where, they're, where, where they came up short. And to me, that's why I'm looking ahead. Like I'm already saying, like, okay, I get it. People want Trey Turner because Trey Turner's awesome. And I will be as excited as anyone if Trey Turner is a Philly. But 
I see what the Astros did from a pitching perspective and how they dominated that way. And I think this team needs pitching and it needs a lot of pitching. And I think you don't want to go into next season saying, you know, penciling in Griff McGarry or Andrew Painter or Mick Abel. You want that depth to be there first. And then those three guys, you're you're throwing them in the mix because they're so good. You can't throw, you know what I mean? Like you can't not throw yeah. them in the mix. Not because you not not de- like you, you want to work from a position of strength to me. I'm left thinking. And we're just having circular arguments. We're we're on different sides here. Sure. But game game three, they steal one in the Houston incredible game, losing game two. That seemed to be the formula. You weren't going to win both games in Houston. In game three, they beat the balls off of them, smashed five home runs. And everyone, and I'm assuming you included, thought, holy shit, they're going to win the fucking World Series, right? And they didn't. And I'm left with that high that I wish I never got on. Like what I'm saying, it would been you can do the like I don't do the happy we're here when they were in the driver's seat multiple times. It's easy to do that. Like I said, if they lost in four games or they got crushed in five games where they stole a win and when they were back in Philly, they had them on the ropes, and then bats went ice cold, Aaron Nola imploded, and things unraveled from there. Yeah. I look back on it. And wait, two months, two years, 20 years, and think that was fucking awesome. Had a great time. It was so fun. It was so great to just breathe baseball in the city yeah. in a way that I haven't since I was felt like a kid. But man, it it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, listen, losing sucks. I mean, I, I guess just, just, I don't know, for me, I, and I, the last run maybe influences me a little bit. Like, I just think that was like it. Like you were talking some things about like how different things went their way and it was unsustainable. And you're saying like things could regroup next year. And that's true. But the, you know, magic in a bottle, unsustainable nature of this whole run makes me think like this was the chance for this era. We see great Yankees teams, Dodgers teams, Mets teams, Braves teams. They don't get back there every other year. And they're more talented teams. They're better run teams. And the Phillies just had this fell ass backwards into a playoffs after a up and down season. And even when they were quote unquote good, we're still infuriating to the fan base. And for me to write about at times and you can't go Cinderella mode every year and maybe things change, but they sign Carlos Rodon. Maybe they get that uh, NPL player that uh, is getting posted in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> Yarshida, I believe his name is. I could be pronouncing that wrong. If it is, sorry. He's I'm a very a big uh, Bryce Harper fan. Yeah, he loves Bryce Harper. And then you know, just like it's, he, I, I'd, I'd have a lot more faith if John Middleton just wants to be like 1999 George Steinbrenner. Like I hope that's the avenue he goes. Just he like, might. We'll just sign everyone and, and say fuck it. And I thought I hope that's and that's a situation where. Maybe he does do that. Maybe he is going to that territory. The taste, can, the taste got him there that maybe he... I hope that... I yeah. hope so. I had bought... Uh, so, that, game six was Saturday, right? I go to Wawa to get breakfast or lunch or whatever. And not since my youth, I, I bought two Black and Miles to smoke with me and my friends at the on Broad Street Sunday night. Didn't even tell them about it. Just, just loading up on them. And they have John C. Middleton's name on them. I'm like... Mm-hmm. Love it. This is the vibe. And now they'll probably never get smoked. Not that I 
See now, maybe, so maybe. I paid. So I paid for Carlos Rodon's salary, basically. Maybe, maybe this time. Well, I think he sold the cigar company, didn't he? So his, um, his name's on it. His name's on it, but so, I. I, I said, believe, is he not like an owner though? Yeah, I believe he sold the company. I could be mistaken, but I think yeah, I don't think he actually runs. The I'm not up on the commerce him. of uh, tobacco brands, so I'm not. There. Nor am I. I just you know, um, I, I I just know a lot about. I know more about the Phillies owners than I probably need to sure. or want to. Um, but yeah, maybe that taste, maybe that just a little taste of the World Series is what John Middleton says. Screw it. I, I want to win. I don't care. Just get whoever the hell you need, Dave. Uh, get it done. And I'll say that's the other thing that does give me faith. Um, Clearly, Dombrowski knows what the hell he's doing, right? Yeah. I mean, this he's been in other places and done this and won. And I, I hear I, I, it's a valid argument because when the playoffs started, you and I were both on the same page that we were pretty apathetic. We thought, OK, cool. They're not even going to go get a home playoff game. They're probably yes. going to get swept. That's it. So from that perspective. I get it, but at the same time, they were one of the best teams in the base in baseball from you know June first when they, right. when they moved June, on, yeah. uh, when they moved on from from Girardi went to Rob Thompson. They missed Bryce Harper for a large chunk of time there, so I just think you know full season Rob Thompson. Hopefully, um, Bryce Harper. Not only is Bryce Harper healthy, uh, but Bryce Harper can hopefully play the outfield. I'm worried about what his what his timeline is. I can see it for season, and this isn't me just being doomsday. I'm wondering if there's a situation where it's almost beneficial for him to be, and it's really hard given the construction of the Phillies roster defensively. I'm wondering if you're better off just using him as a full-time DH going forward. He's just a DH. And I worry about, you know, a situation where, you know, surgery, how long does it take? Is there setbacks? Is he never really, does he not feel right for six weeks after the surgery when he comes back to the field? And but then you can't really do that because Kyle Schwarber is really a DH, Nick Castellanos is really a DH, Reese Hoskins is really a DH. Alec, but although Alec Bohm was great in the playoffs, he was okay. I think yeah. he's uh, talked to some people, uh, he rates okay on some internal defensive metrics, right? Which, but listen, okay, compared to whatever you would rate Reese Hoskins at first base, whatever you would rate Kyle yeah. Schwarber in left field, you know, I yeah. mean, that's so okay is actually uh, not I've, a terrible place I've, to be. I've been, I've been told Schwarber is uh, like the woke defender. Yeah. <laughs> like based on some of like some, some teams' yeah. proprietary metrics, not just yeah. the Phillies. He's there to do, to do one thing and it is not to play defense. Um, and right. he did so, that. And he did yes, it. He did. So that's why I have no yes, complaints about his defense. None, none, none whatsoever. Um, a lot. Of, so uh, let's just move on, kind of, for a moment, and talk about the off season and where do we, where we kind of think this team goes from here. Positionally, uh, you know, again, like I already mentioned, Trey Turner's the, the hot name that everybody wants, and it's in such an easy connection to make because. You could easily, you know, Gene Segura, the the option was not picked up, which no one was surprised at that. It's like $15 million respectfully to Gene, who I thought was actually pretty solid throughout the postseason, had a nice season um, and seems to be really well liked and respected. Yeah. Helped Bryson Stott a a little bit during the season when he was struggling. Uh, If like they wound up bringing him back on on less money, I think that would be like not the worst thing in the world. But but it's an easy thing to link and say, okay. Bryson stop plays second base. You bring a Trey Turner to play shortstop or, you know, other there's other, you know, Xander Bogarts is out there. Um, uh, Carlos Gray is out there. There are really good shortstops that you could have like, all-star level shortstops that you can bring in um, as certain, you know, at the price is right and, and have them really solidify the position. 
You could do a number of other things. Um, you know, my issue with paying a shortstop now is say Trey Turner, who's uh, you know had OPS in like the in the nine hundreds the last over the last couple of years, kind of compiled together. This was his age twenty nine season. I worry about paying an up the middle player a shit ton of money. It's fair. When in reality, in two years in that contract, they might no longer be an up the middle player. Well, I, I would think say. Of like some time- it could be a, could move in the second base, move Stott over to shortstop. I mean, that's yeah. I thought Stott actually played a pretty good shortstop. I thought he was fine. Yeah, short, like yeah. again, not going to win any Gold Gloves, but I thought he was good. Like yeah. he, he made all the plays he was supposed to make. Which I, I'm he's not more sure. of a second baseman, but I thought he was he's probably fine shorts. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my point being, you know, maybe maybe um, with time and with more work, maybe he could become a, a, a decent enough everyday shortstop where you don't worry as much if you have to move a Trey Turner to a set to second base or a Correa or whatever, or move one of these guys to third base, perhaps. Um, if you do another move that everyone wants, to, not everyone, but a lot of people want to do, and that's move, move on from Reese Hoskins, move Alec Bohm over to first base. I don't think he hits enough for first base. That. It's weird. And I, I agree. I think most Phillies fans don't want to see Reese Hoskins in a Phillies uniform again, but I'm wondering if it's an, inevitability what's your upgrade situation like what were you moving him for that's what it uh, is his, his last year of, his last year of eligibility his last year of i shouldn't say ar- eligibility arbitration year yeah. and he would be a true free agent going into the 2024 season i wonder you know can you get anything from him? you're selling at his uh nadir like this is this is terrible value the whole baseball world just watched him strike out 300 times in the fucking world series and See, I wonder I, if I'm if not you're, as, yeah the bat I wonder doesn't if worry me as much as the glove does. I mean, that, yeah, that's I'm, where I'm wondering I think, if you're you're hoping just for more consistency next year. Not that he's he's the opposite of consistency in his career. And again, when he's hot, he's hot. And the, the NLDS, he was electric, and he gave he delivered a moment that we'll talk about forever. Yeah, as much as we'll probably talk about his World Series performance too, his 4K games. We'll also talk about that bike, that bat spike. And equal regards, even though it'll be in a much more positive light, right? Yeah, no, and it's. I think you're nailing it, nailing it on the head with like, what do you get for him? And that's not to say that I think Reese Hoskins is like this terrible baseball player. I think he's a good player that has some value, but he plays first base and not well. Um, so he's either a below average first baseman that can slug and 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 work a count, or he's a DH that can do that. So. He hasn't been doing teams, the count thing lately. That's true. Well, yeah, in the World Series, well, you know, the World Series, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a lot of guys also didn't. I mean, other, I mean, he's he's really, led the league, I mean, in, that's he's the, led the league in walks before. I, he's yeah, and he's I gotta typically say a high too. OBP guy. I gotta say this too. Outside of Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper, did any does like does anyone else deserve praise for the way they swung the bat in the World Series? Are they gonna dumb Castellanos or Castellanos, I should say, mm-hmm. to try to poach someone else? No, I don't think so. I think there's I, I, I think, think that's that's even worse selling low and maybe he's yeah, due for a bounce back year but well that's like, John Smoltz said that like eight times during the World Series broadcast he kept saying that he felt like in his second season Cassianos is going to blow up because he's going to be more comfortable and he's just going to be in a situation I will and like there was stuff that Cassiano said and you're like damn like okay like I kind of get like the fact that you know we all know the story that he bought Ben Simmons old house and that got around really quickly well when that happens uh, ben Simmons' address was out there, so that meant that Nick Castellanos' new address was out there. And so a guy who tends to seem seems like he wants to be very pro- – like he wants his public life public and his private life private, which, sure, I respect it. At the same time, you make a lot of money, and 
you're in a city like Philadelphia, stuff's going to come up. But it's at the same time, um, this fan base knowing your address, I can see why some aspects of that can make you a little bit uncomfortable. That's not to excuse away a season or say like, oh, well, that's why he played poor. Like, I, I, I'm just saying I think there's evidence that mentally I'm not sure he was ever right all season. And um, I, I do think there is plenty of reasons to think there's some bounce back potential in there. Uh, so, yeah, and I, I think, yeah, trading him, you're not going to get anything of value. I think you have a better shot of trading Hoskins, Hoskins and maybe getting something because he's got only, you know, the year arbitration eligible year left and you're not taking, you know, anything that takes on Castellanos, you're also taking on all that money. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't go. Uh, this is what I already talked about. Like, I wouldn't go too crazy with the lineup. I don't think. Yeah, I, I get it. The numbers are bad. They didn't. They didn't come up where it mattered. They they were not good in the World Series. But I do. Uh, you, <laughs> the guys on the other side get paid too, and I think that's the bigger issue is that the Astros just had better, more consistent pitching. Like when you look through the Astros lineup, who in there would you say? Like, I would take Bryce Harper over any player in that lineup. I would yes. take Schwarber over most players in that lineup. Right? I mean, so that right there. Um, you're getting much more off. Uh, granted, he did not have a good World Series, but you're getting much more offensively from the catching position than they did. Yeah. Um, you know, first base, you know, Yuli Gur- Guriel's like okay, like he's fine. I like he, he 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 makes contact. He's like solid, consistent player. Uh, Pena blew up in the World Series, but I mean, there was no, like he was again just an okay player that just had a really good World Series. Bregman's Bregman, he's really good. Altuve did not have a very good, like just, I, I think when you break down their lineups, it's not like I saw the Astros as the 27 Yankees and the Phillies as this like afterthought lineup that they have a good lineup. So that to me, the difference was pitching. And that's why I, you mentioned Carlos Rodon. <laughs> I, I don't see that happening, but my goodness, imagine having Wheeler, Nola Rodon and Suarez. I, and then who, doesn't matter who the fifth starter is. Give me anybody. Um, I think you got some there. And then, of course, you're going to have to re revamp the bullpen a little bit. You're going to have to, you know, you got some guys moving on and you're going to have to figure things out there. But to me, I'm spending my money on pitching. I think the ideal situation in my head would be to make that signing for Rodon and have late summer call-ups for both McGarry and Painter and give them some starts down the stretch. But then those become two key cogs in the bullpen, a la 2008 David Price, 2002 Francisco Rodriguez. Uh, and that's not saying they are closers long-term, certainly or relief pitchers long-term. Those are starters. But I think that's a situation where let's front-load this rotation with some vets, some seasoned players, and then you get these little baby aces on the back end to bolster that bullpen come playoff time. Ideally, hopefully, again, what is it? Four months ago, five months ago, we didn't expect the Phillies to be in this position to be talking about the things we're talking about now. Things can change quickly in baseball. That's what I'm looking at. I think that's their, that would be my plan for this team and my ideal situation that gets them back on the path towards defending their pennant. I'm with you. I I think pitching is where it's at. I think that's what what my... Again, like like I said as well, like this deal from a position of strength 
with these young kids where you can handle them, where you have that option, where you don't have to, you're not pitching them because you have to, you're pitching them because they're that good, because you think they can help you despite having depth. Um, and those four pitchers, I, that's, that's as good as a, as a foursome in major league baseball, I would think uh, that you're trotting out there. And I also love the idea. I know it's not, it's really not a big deal and it doesn't matter if you can pitch, you can pitch, but I love the idea of having two righties and two lefties. That's pretty great too. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up here on Phillies and then we, you know, we'll take a break and talk a little bit about Eagles and um, the other teams, but for you just uh, it's hard. I know it's hard to pick out like one thing, but what's going to stand out most in your mind uh, from this play Phillies playoff run, um, even though it ended in disappointment. Definitely being there for, then I'll see us clincher, without a doubt. One of the yeah. greatest sports things I've ever seen. I've seen some really good ones. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I don't know how. That's I was I was there for the bat spike, bat the Bryce Harper NLCS two run shot, and a no hitter. That was the second ever playoff no hitter I've seen in person, and only two of three. Only two of. It's only been three in history. Jesus Christ, and two <laughs> of them have been at Citizens Bank Park. One was a great one, and one was not nearly as fun. Yeah, on Philly Voice, I did an article the next day on having seen both and way life's changed, and obviously the difference in attitude and feeling walking out of that stadium both times. Well, the second one's, a, I mean, you know, it's a fake. The Astros one's a fake no hitter. Yeah, correct. The, the, those aren't real no hitters. Correct. Yeah, it's but. fake. Uh, but yeah, it's it's hard to top to top Harper and, and and that home run and how the feeling of that and how it, now that they didn't win the world series, you'd have to say Matt stairs home run was bigger because simply they, yeah. they wound up winning the world series. So I think you have to say that, uh, but it's to say it's the second biggest home run in Philly's postseason history still feels pretty big. Pretty. Can you consider the, the history of this team and, and what we experienced again in the, in that, you know, 2007 through 2011 run and, you know, what, what our parents generation experienced in the eighties, that home run to say that that's the second greatest home run in Philly's postseason history is, is pretty damn special. And I, I, I just, to me, the vibes of the team were so good and it was so fun. Like, like I just woke up every day happy. And like the Astro to me, like I look at the Astros, Hell of a baseball team. They and won. They would have been such a fun team to beat, too. Parade, that gives me yeah. the, like the 2017 Eagles things. We I think we discussed it. What's better, the Eagles having beaten the Jaguars that year or them beating the Patriots? It's obvious. Uh, yeah. But I will say one thing that gives more credence to your point. And again, I'm, I'm still more team. I'm mad and they blew it rather than, you know, let's let's ride the wave. It's way cooler and better to win your respective league slash conference in baseball than it is, say, the NFL or the NBA or the NHL, given the historical meaning of winning the pennant, winning the league before interleague play. There's a historical element there that saying you won the pennant is better than saying you won the NFC or the Eastern Conference to me. So I will say that you're, the flag that flies at Sismang Park will be a different color. It won't just be uh, you know, a white one for making the postseason. It'll be believe a blue one for winning the pennant and the red ones are saved for the championships. I like that perspective. Yeah. I like that perspective. Like you won the, like the Phillies won the world series. No, they won the pennant. Like that, that's still a thing. That's, that's yeah. maybe that's a thing. And that it does, it does this, feel more the, so than, I mean, this, you get a banner this, in hockey this, and, and, ba- and basketball too, but I hear what you're saying. The feeling, 
like oh they they yeah you think of you know bobby thompson's home run like the giants won the pennant the giants won the pennant like all these like and then there's a thing where if you're you know in your generation and my generation we're like not like the young fans anymore that if you don't have this like historical nerd perspective maybe you don't give a shit about that and that's fine but i do think uh saying like oh that year the phillies won the pennant was awesome like, i think in retrospect that'll be different and maybe 1993 yeah, again, and the most loved losers of and, and two months and or two years yeah. or twenty years might feel differently. Right now, or four days later, still, still, team like it was right effing there. I get it, and this team would have just been fun. Like the parade for this, this the parade was guys. supposed to be tomorrow. I talked to people at SEPTA. Ah. The parade was Wednesday. I should ah. be out right now buying some beer. Buying some champagne, buying some more black and milds, lining John Middleton's pockets. Uh, yeah, here I am, relaxing, going to see Black Panther or Black Panther. I'm going to see Black Panther on Saturday. Seeing Black Adam I'm excited. Getting, yeah. getting back into my diversifying my entertainment portfolio post some craziness with the Eagles and Phillies work was. You're gonna have to give me. Uh... You're gonna have to give me uh, reviews on those uh, spoiler-free reviews on those, and then I know what's worth my time and what's not. Um, yeah, next... I mean, I'm probably gonna see. But my thing is this: like now that obviously my life is is very different nowadays, whereas I would be at basically every opening night for all these movies ever, and I still am when it comes to like Batman or something like really big. Um, but with these, it's am I gonna go see it in a theater or am I gonna wait for it to come out and then I can just watch it at home. And that's 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 my thing recently. And yeah, I will say one thing. Uh, I would mute some. I'm a big mute word person on Twitter. Yes, for, I do the for, same. for yeah. things with with releases for these comic book. And we're like we're into this shit. Um, did see one entertainment writer I, I follow from the Hollywood Reporter uh, from the premiere last week. They had the, they had the premiere last week. The movie drops Thursday slash Friday this week. Uh, the best post credit scene in the history of the MCU. Oh. That's so good. So, I've heard rumors about what's in it, and I won't say it for anyone who didn't yeah, hear those rumors. Yeah. And yeah, I'm very excited uh, about yeah. what it could be. Uh, it's because it's funny because, like, far from um, No Way Home, I should say, Miles was two months old. So that was tough because I definitely couldn't see it when it first opened up. Um, so I had to wait for that one. So that one was we one can on do Twitter. spoilers for that movie that's been out 11 months, right? Yeah, no, but, we'll that, throw it out. but like, I Twitter, but I, I blocked, dude, I blocked. Andrew Garfield, <laughs> like I blocked. It was anything. it was so obvious. I even blocked Miles movie. Morales just in case. I'm like, if there's some kind of weird end of the Spider Verse thing happening, I'm blocking was, that too. Yeah, people were, were freaking <laughs> out. I I didn't want like the magic was seeing it happen in person. Oh, of course, like when Toby walks through the portal, oh. uh, he's like one of my favorite movie moments. But like you also chill thinking about it. Yeah, yeah dude. So did I. I'm like, I got I got the feelings going through me. Yeah. Kind of. Changed the vibes from earlier. So uh, <laughs> I don't have high expectations for Black Adam. Uh, not a character with at least modern history, a strong, uh, you know, reading order. There's there's no like true Black Adam canon. They're white the way that right. it's for Batman or, or Spider-Man or the Avengers or X-Men and stuff like that. So I don't have a ton of background with the character. I read from Shazam comics, uh, which she's kind of been an ancillary figure in. Yeah. So we'll say just, you know, it's, it's a rock movie. It's going to be dumb. Hopefully a lot of good action and, you know, eat some, you know, peanut M&Ms or whatever and have a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a big, I get, uh, I get the, I get the soda, the, like the mix up soda. Like I get like, you know, I add like the cherry and vanilla. Yeah. Like I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, uh, my cherry zero, uh, 
cherry coke zero and then regular coke zero then like lime all yeah yeah mix it up and then i am a and then this is i sound like such a crazy person um and then just small popcorn because i do not need a large pot small is more than enough and then one thing of candy Whatever that candy may be. I thought you were going to say you were going to get M&M's and you put them in the pop. No, 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 no. I've never done that in a movie. Theater, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. I know people who've done it, but no, that's not me. The, there is one sicko thing I do in terms of, of beverage. At, at sporting events, a uh, an Eagles game or a Sixers game, and then when we discuss this, I will get, I will make my own iced coffee. You know, like they, I would fill a cup up with ice all the way to the top and then use the hot coffee and kind of makeshift iced coffee. And then put like a little bit of like diet or like Pepsi Max or Coke Zero in there. And I told a couple of people that once and they thought like it was serial killer stuff. It's borderline. Yeah. It's I think it's 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 worse when I say it out loud. It's more so they <laughs> they sell Coke and I'm coffee, not putting yeah. they sell Coke and coffee together and Pepsi and coffee together. Yeah. I've never had uh you know, I don't put creamer in, or anything in there. It's probably weird. It's definitely it's weird. weird. No, it's, it's weird. Definitely, it's yeah, weird. everyone's got their thing. Uh, it actually, gets, it gets me through uh, a nice long work day. Yeah, I had a uh, Kyle Newbeck, uh, our mutual friend there. He made fun of me for something that he referred to uh, as a serial killer thing for me at Sixers Media Room. So that was fun. Um, but what you, I shared my serial killer. Thing yeah, no, I'll years. tell you, it, it's not. So I person, so the 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 spread at Sixers games, they have two typically two tubs of ice cream, like hard ice cream. Yeah, I like. I like it when it's just a little bit melty. Um, so I like some people like go in for like the hard piece. Like I want the hard ice cream. That's still super hard. I actually enjoy the kind of melted parts like around the edges. And that's like a little bit melty and soft. Seems normal to me. I would feel yeah. the same way. I'd, yeah. Thank you. Okay. I don't, I don't think that's serial. I think my thing is a lot is way more like Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> and on that note, I think we're going to take, Rick. Uh we're gonna talk Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, um, put a bow on the Philly stuff if if we so choose. But we're gonna take a break here on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. Uh, we will be right back with more right after this. We are back, Paul Hudrick, Seamus Clancy. Moving on from the Phillies. Maybe moving on for for a little bit here, right? I mean, I guess there's, I guess baseball, the free agent buzz and the trade buzz happens pretty fast after the season ends. Yeah, we're like not the buzz, used to it. <laughs> the buzz happens fast, but the moves don't happen until later. There you go. That's like. a good way to look at like it. Like Bryce Hopper signs the second week of March, yeah. 2019. You know Spring I mean? training already started. Yeah, so weird. Um, but yeah, so we will get some buzz. So that's something we're gonna be able to look forward to um during the uh, winter months here. But um. We got Philadelphia Eagles who are now there's you know eight and oh just gonna keep on winning games. They beat the Texans last Thursday night while the Phillies uh were playing and it was a, you know was, was there a Sixers game that night? There was not a Sixers game. So that you night. were home watching. Yes, yeah, so I was home with the two TVs. The two TVs yeah. with with two things I actually was enjoying watching. So what was your audio setup like? I had Phillies uh audio on and then had Eagle I had the Eagles on mute. Just so, because so, I, because I mean, for me, it's dude, it's I, I like I'm as big of an Eagles fan as anyone, but it's the World Series, yeah. And the Eagles are playing the fucking Houston Texans, so like I priorities. So Eagles are more work intensive thing for me than Phillies. Fair enough. 
So I, I had the Philly, the Phillies game on the main TV, the, the larger bottom TV, had Eagles up top. But if the Eagles were on offense, regardless of what was happening on the bottom screen, I put that on so I could hear, even if it didn't have my full attention. So if something like relevant or big was happening, mm. I could glance up quickly. But if the situation was uh, the Texans had the ball offensively and the Phillies were hitting, I would switch the audio to the bottom TV. So I kind of just wanted to hear about the offense more. So I think that pertains more to uh, kind of the sports writer storytelling narrative is is always going to be inherently more offensive based, I think. So that's sure. where my uh, that's where my rationale lied. That's fair. And, and I it, the good thing about baseball is the slow pace because there's so many breaks and it's easy that you can. All right. That pitch already happened. Now I'm over here. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. my, my setup was. Phillies were here on the TV hanging on the wall. And then I had uh, the Eagles on a smaller TV on a mantle. So it was like, okay, I went to, and then just watch. It was like, and it kind of lined up so many times. It actually lined up like beautifully where like the Eagles were running a play and then the play ended. And then the pitch, the pitcher was like, in a, you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it felt yeah. serendipitous in some ways. It was fun. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was like the last night I had fun in sports um, recently, but yeah. Um, Who knows when it'll happen again? Never. No. Um, but listen to Eagles, the run should defense, we, uh, you know, should we have, sorry, should we mention the union at the end? Here's what, do you want to just like, like we'll kind of just get this out of the way now, because here's the thing I know myself and I don't know shit. Right, like I watched, I watched, I legitimately I watched. watched. The, I watched the entire game. It was other. Yeah. I've been to maybe two union games in person. That was the first MLS game I've watched on television, start to end. Yeah. So I will say that. So, credence, props to them for the uh, entertainment experience. Yes. Uh, props and not the there. heartbreak. Would you say they are a real Philly team now because they got people hyped up to watch casually and then they blew it in historic fashion? I literally tweeted that the second Did moment you? happened. I said okay. that the Union really are a Philly team, huh? Because I really do, I do think that <laughs> that would have been a moment if they wanted the way they did when they were up 3-2 late in extra time um, that they could have really made it like – gotten close to a five team city legitimately yes especially with the way uh f- the flyers apathy has set in mm-hmm. akin to the 2010 era sixers apathy i thought there was a real chance that they were going to be making some moves to be pretty close to number four team in town and i'm not saying this is a disservice to the flyers the flyers are in a stanley cup run flyers in 2020 during the i guess like the pandemic playoffs right Thrilling. I had a ton of fun watching yeah. that. And I think the pinnacle of Flyers hockey is ultimately going to be inherently bigger in the city than, you know, the union championship. But the level the Flyers are at now with the way they were playing, I, I did think there was some legitimacy where and like there might be for a younger generation more union fans than Flyers fans. And I thought that a win there um, could have really spearheaded something. Maybe it still does. Uh, I don't like I'm not a gatekeeper for any fandom in the mm-hmm. sense that like people are talking about, oh, Philly's bandwagon fans. I think we talked about it. I'm like, that's that's like part of the shit that's fun is people that don't care, like now care and are invested because it's civic pride that's... for the sake of the city. But I did see some people gatekeeping some media members even on Twitter about this stuff and saying like, oh, that was my first time asking, well, that was the first one you've missed a lot and you're still missing a lot. And I'm like, OK, man. Yeah, that's, that's um, too much. That's, like, that's just... great. 
Well, it's so funny because it's like, please like my so, sport. OK, yeah. I want to like it. No. Yeah. Like, so they're, they're like, in, that's absurd. Yeah. They're in like 2012 NHL. Please like my sport mode, which yeah. I think really does a disservice to a fan base that should be like growing. Right. Growing. Yeah, right. You you want us again? Yeah, please like my sport. Okay, I would like to like your sport. I really enjoy. I actually watched both. I watched the Eastern Conference Final and I watched the finals, and I a lot. They were both absolutely entertaining. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, yeah, like, a lot of fun I, watching of course, the game. Like, I I don't know the game of soccer as well as as many people, and and, um, and I could I you know I I I could bear I could name like three or four people on the entire Union team, but that didn't take away from the experience because it's a communal experience Correct. of. This is a Philadelphia team. It's our team. And there's a pride there. And if they would have won, and I'll say this, I did see some stuff, but like um, basically viewership in the area was like yeah. through the roof for MLS was, soccer, which is it was incredible. the most viewed MLS cup ever, I believe. Because and of, legit because of Philadelphia. I mean, honestly. yeah, then the numbers that they drew were historic for a union game. And obviously it's not going to be the same way like a Phillies world series game or you know, regular season NFL, regular season NFL games are the most watched television programs of the year. Uh, but I thought they made a nice dent and props then props to their hardcore fan base that have been following him. You know, the sons have been anarchy stuff. Like I love, I love passion from fan bases, even if it's something that I don't necessarily share the similar passion. That's why I do respect flyers fans that are flyers first, like sickos. And I mean, sickos as in term of endearment, the people that follow their team, but as someone who, was, you know, like Eagles super fan number 99 during the Super Bowl run. What I loved was the city coming together. I'm not going to, I never gatekeep about the Eagles or the Sixers and stuff. And I don't think, uh, you know, union heads were, whether they're media members or just fans out there on the internet should should do that. Should be fostering the community. Yeah, and Come on in. Yeah. Water's warm. Yeah. yeah like totally. It's funny. I'm going to call my fiance out and she's going to yell at me if she's hearing this or, or going to listen to this eventually. But like, she is a sports fan. Uh, she's a Philadelphia sports fan, but she is pretty casual. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sure. and, and I listen, I get it. 162 games. That's a lot of games, man. And like when I'm putting it on on like a random night, it's like, do we really have to watch this tonight? And I'm like, well, no, we don't have to. But like, I want to. Let's catch up on um, HBO Max. Exactly. And some nights that was fair. I'm like, yeah, you know what? And I, it's there was one like really I can't remember which win, win it was. It was like one come from behind win this year where I think it was Righteous Gemstones we were into at the time, which was a sensational show if you have not watched it. Um, uh, terrific. But anyway, um, I think we were trying to catch up on that. And so I, yeah, so I, I like missed a comeback because I'm like, damn, like the one, like one of the one times I gave into that, they win. But anyway, um, but it was just funny, like um, Andrew. When you, Bilotti, when you live with a romantic partner, it can't be sports 24. Like that no. doesn't exist. And especially for someone like, like I think this should be said. Like sports are a hobby for most people, and it's been a hobby for me for 28 years. But it's also professional, and I do need to detox sometimes. Especially the yeah. last week, uh, I haven't watched a single television show. So we just, you know, last night we binged a bunch of House of Dragons. I haven't seen She-Hulk, and I think a lot of people I know, whether they're online and in person, they think of Marvel. They might think of me, and yeah. I didn't get to watch that show whenever it was airing because of training camp and Eagles and then Phillies and all this other shit. So I binged that all Sunday watched had its moments but i was like no, i enjoyed no. it i didn't know if it was something that and i've been lukewarm on some of the more recent marvel stuff i enjoyed miss marvel but i like miss awesome. marvel i thought it was really I good love, and i thought she hope was something that lend itself better to a binge watch 
over those nine half hour episodes. I can and, see that. You know, yeah. I think it's something that was more bingey. And I wondered if I watched it week by week, I would have liked it less. That's fair. Which is a huge dichotomy. And I mean, this is a, it's on a television podcast, but that's the dichotomy and the, the we streaming. We spent a lot of time, but it's all right. I enjoy it. It's fine. What if what if we can buy, had a podcast that combined both sports and popular culture? Do you think it can succeed? There's never uh, been one before. The only thing I'm concerned about with that is we already, I'm, run, I'm we joking. already run like an hour. So I'm I mean, throw that in a minute. <laughs> no, but, I, I, uh, but just like, I, like my fiance, like, you know, Andrew Bellotti would come in the game. She'd be like, who the hell is this? <laughs> it's like, it's Andrew Bellotti. Like, he's got it's spinner on a slider. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Um, But it's just funny, like, like you said, uh, us sickos who are just so in it and just know everything and know too much more than any normal, sane person with a working normal brain should know. Um, Being a sicko is but, give and take, man. It's it's not all glory, yeah. for sure. No, it's, 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 it's fun I to say you're less glory. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fun to own the sicko brand. And realize what you are, but there are a lot of downsides too. So I would yeah. say this season, hand up as someone who was writing about them probably once a week, twice a week this season. I wasn't full Philly sicko. Probably have to be work wise next year, especially with the the off season momentum, momentum in the World Series run. So I'm excited and kind of sad that I'm going to be a Philly sicko next year after some time off from being that way. Yeah. No, it's 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 not a it's not a it's. It's fun when it's fun, but when it's not fun, it is uh it's awful. It's like, oh, I just wasted three hours. I could have caught and caught up on you know anything. I could have literally, done literally anything. Could have, could have read a book, remember life. those? Could have went for a walk, <laughs> got a beer, anything. Any, anything. Anything. Um Yeah, but just to get it back to the Eagles, because um, but I, I I'm glad we got the union stuff out of the way because I think that was important. I for think us it was worth mentioning. Yes. Yes, I think it was too. Because listen, and it's when we're not mentioning them, it's not because we don't view them as like valid or view them as important. It's that simply we don't doing them justice by talking about them because we don't know shit. Um, that's not to say we didn't enjoy the games. That's not to say they're not a valid Philadelphia sports team. It's just, it's, it's, it's more an indictment on us than it is on the union, but um, yeah, people get, would get mad at Philly voice, like, or email me. Why don't you DM me? Why don't you cover the union? I'm like, dude, I, I barely have enough time to get like the baseline of Philly Sixers Flyers coverage. I need right. to do like my like normal d- job in this podcast and, and just live in the city as a sports fan. And that's also with having some hobbies on the side that are break. So I don't, you know, suffer massive burnout, which I kind of felt like I was over the last month or two. Same, I hear you. And sort of a sense I, of relief when the Phillies lost, like in a weird way. Yeah, like, of course I wanted yeah. to win, but there was a little bit of a sense of like, Okay, like yeah, maybe I want to read some Black Panther comic books instead of watching the Union tonight to detox. Like that's I think that's I think that's within my right, and I'm sure that there aren't a lot of places that do Union coverage, but it would be a disservice for me to half-ass talk about a team I don't know anything about, a sport I don't know too too much about. Leave it to the experts. And maybe two years, three years from now, it's different. We're Union sickos. That time is not. That would be fun if this just became a flat-out Union podcast. Um, Kevin McCabe would be very jealous. No, um. Yeah, the Eagles. Uh, I guess I want to start here. Imagine trading AJ Brown. Imagine looking at your football team, which on Sunday night completed zero passes for zero yards to wide receivers, and combined have less catches, yards. Well, maybe I think they might have more catches, but less yards and touchdowns than AJ Brown. All of them combined. Um, imagine trading that guy. 
The Eagles have traded. I'm sure there's more, but there's three clear cut players trades in my mind for the Eagles. They traded for three Hall of Famers at different points in franchise history. Going in, they traded for Norm Van Brocklin, who won 1960 NFL MVP and led the Eagles to the 1960 NFL title, Vince Lombardi's lone loss in playoff history at Franklin Field over the Green Bay Packers. In 2004, traded for Terrell Owens, first team All-Pro, misses some time with injury, comes back, has a legendary Super Bowl performance. They fall short in the Super Bowl. 2009, they trade for Jason Peters, solidifies himself as a first ballot Hall of Famer, makes some All-Pro teams, is there for some teams that win divisions, some good teams, some playoff teams, gets hurt in the Super Bowl season, but is still a key figure in that team. And now they've traded for A.J. Brown, and they've gotten him at a way, way younger age than all three of those players. He's playing like an all-pro, not just a pro bowl, this pro bowler this season, an all-pro. I believe he's 25. They might win the Super Bowl this year. He could still be in his prime seven years from now. This might go down. And you know what? The Saints trade could go down as one of the best trades in Eagles history. If they end up winning. Well, what the the, the, the trap pick trade or CJ Garner? I didn't. I mean, <laughs> CJ Garner Johnson leads the NFL in interceptions right now. But I meant the Saints pick if they land some blue chipper. Just give me some defensive player from the SEC next year. I'm like that's that's a that's a win of a trade. But I think we're looking at a reality, and I've tried not to be hyperbolic about the Eagles as of late because my standing there as a media member, there's there's more professionalism with my coverage and talking about the Eagles now because of. Uh, how I interact with the team in person and the players in person, but the Eagles might have traded for at worst, like a fringe hall of fame wide receiver and have him for the entirety of his prime. And in his first year in Philadelphia, they might win the Super Bowl and they might win like 15 or 16 regular season games with him. Well, none of that. Yeah. I mean, that's all within the realm of, I don't even know. I don't think it's hyperbolic. I think that's all perfectly reasonable to think could could all it could all go exactly the way you just said it? it and it's because it Calvin Ridley. And it's because Calvin Ridley got suspended for gambling. It's because oh, Allen Robinson didn't want to sign here. It's because guys turned down this place and they fell ass backwards into a trade they weren't expecting. And thank you, Titans. Yeah, and that's kind of a ramification from the Wentz trade too, because they had two first rounders this past year, so they felt more comfortable trading one of them. Uh. AJ Brown, man, they someone dumped a Hall of Famer. You you draft a player of hoping they could be of AJ Caliber's player caliber, and that you could pay him or you pay them a hundred million dollar contract. That's the dream for a team is to draft a player that good and be able to pay him what he's worth. He's underpaid. He's gonna yeah. be underpaid by the time it's over. Yeah, and I I think about this too. So you have AJ Brown. Who I agree, I, I think all pro. I think he's been literally one of the best I, players in the I, sport at his position this season. I don't I don't know if it's two or three receivers make all first team all pro, but I would say it's Tyreek and him, right? That's yeah, that's Seems probably fair. fair. I mean, you have Jefferson's cups, Jefferson there, but I sure. think it has to be those two. Uh you have Dallas Goddard, who looks like again, one of the best players at his position in the entire NFL. Is he the second best tight end in the NFL this specific season? Yes, so I far, say. yes. He's yeah, not a, through he's more yes. he's more so a top five tight end, but this specific season, he's had a better year than anyone besides Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I, I 
that's not yeah uh, again that's not hyperbolic at all and i, I wonder if i'm being hyperbolic with these things but maybe but the team not. is just this effing good yeah, well and then and then because i'm going down the line because there's more there's more oh wait there's more you have jalen hurts who looks like he's the mvp favorite looks like he's the, the betting favorite right now which is whew, mind-blowing um and then you have miles sanders who is sixth in the nfl in rushing right now i think six six or seventh i can't remember he's seventh but like Okay, so you have one of the seven best running backs in the NFL as of right now. This is insane. And that's not even getting into C.J. Gardner-Johnson leading the league in interceptions. T.J. Edwards being, you know, according to PFF, one of the best coverage linebackers in the entire NFL. That's not, you know, Hassan Reddick seemingly coming up with a big sack every single week. That's not... Javon Hargrave looking like an all pro again. Like I mean, is... they might have they might have three all pro secondary members for the first time in uh, sixteen wild. years. That's not even including they and then, have uh, the best quarterback tandem in the NFL this year. Like it's just, yeah, and, it's... and again, you're like, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but you know, there is a team like every other year that ends up having seven or eight Pro Bowl players. That's even before you get into those late season additions. That's probably going to be the Eagles this year. It's going to be like Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, James Bradbury, CJ. It just it doesn't make Lane sense Johnson, that they're good. Lane Johnson, Chase, like they're penciled in. Maybe Mylotta. Uh, yeah, uh, um, he had a. I don't know if he's he had a poor performance to me against yeah, the Texans. I did. say as someone who yeah. is, I have. I think he's an all. He will be an All Pro player at some point in his career. Yeah. Or someone who I, uh, one of the players that's more engaging to talk to in the locker room. But I thought it was a down performance from him, and one of those performances where I'm not concerned about him as a player. I'm more concerned if there's a lingering in- injury issue that he might have sustained because he's just better than that. Than, than yeah, he that, I think he's I, just better than that. I think too the short week um, affects different people short in different week, ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I imagine a guy who is a, as a, a mountain of a human the way he is, I'm sure it's not easy to get his body Correct. right to play yeah. in four fucking days. Like I'm sure it probably takes him a little bit longer than than some other guys because he is just massive. I'm not to say he's not. He's also obviously in terrific shape and, and a great athlete, but he's a human being and a very large one. So I think that's it's only his well. his second season, second year in his right. entire life right. where he's been a full time starting football player. Yes, like he wasn't in 2020. So, he started some games, but he hasn't been like undoubted. You know, LT one every game. This is only second time in his life. I was LT. Number one in sixth grade for the second time. Do you know what I mean? Then I, I wasn't good at sports. Do you know what I mean? That's the difference we're talking about here. And I still think there's room for exponential growth and improvement for him as a player. And uh, the upside is is the sky, whatever you want to say. The ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the roof. Speaking of health and conditioning, um, Joel Embiid looked like Joel Embiid. Yes. Uh, against the Phoenix Suns, which is a very nice sight to see. I thought he looked great. Uh, he a win that was needed okay. against a, a strong opponent. Yes, a very good Phoenix team. Obviously, Chris Paul missed the entire second half. He's hurt, but still, uh, they dominated the first half. They actually struggled a little bit in the second half, so that, you know, uh, maybe there's some wounded animal theory thing going on there in the second half. I don't know. Uh, but Joel B defensively, I thought that was easily his best performance. I thought as a team, it was their best defensive performance. De'Anthony Melton was terrific. Joel B called him a monster postgame defensively slightly worried about Tyrese Maxey having a couple of rough shooting nights in a row. I do imagine he'll bounce back a little tough as we found out. James Harden will miss at least a month with a sprain uh, tendon in his foot. So a lot's going to be, you know, Maxey's going to be counted on to provide a lot. So we'll see there. 
Does Maxi's defense concern you come April May? Is, is he yes. so well, is he is does. he young enough where you're thinking there's upside still there? Well, de- definitely, I think there's, there's yeah. But there. I'm like, I'm not just talking about upside in two or three years. I'm talking about no, like the year. three yeah, months. Yeah, no, yeah, I, three I, months. I think just that experience, like the more he plays, the better he's going to get because. One, um, he has the most important aspect for defense, and that is I think he gives a shit. He wants to be good. Yeah. So that's a big factor. And then on top of that, I think physically he's long, he's fast, he's he's quick, like he's he's got the physical traits you would want. Like he shouldn't be a train wreck. No, like he should be much better defender. So I think there's definitely potential there that he could get better as the year goes on, uh, for sure. The concern is the when him and James Harden are playing together, that is a disastrous defensive backcourt flat out. I mean, it just is so that that's where like Maxi almost has to grow up in a hurry because he has to make up for the deficiencies of James Harden. And I think that's with respect to Harden, who they clearly missed at points last night. Um, you know, offensively, the offense it was really stagnant in the third quarter, especially when Maxi was struggling and wasn't able to make some shots. But defensively, I think part of it is flat out you're replacing. Anthony Melton is starting lineup. You know, you're you're using him instead of James Harden as a defender. And Melton was again terrific against Devin Booker all night long. Got in foul trouble. That's the only point of the game where Booker got anything going was when Melton was on the bench. So, yeah, uh, when you swap those two guys out, of course your defense is going to be better, but of course your offense is going to suffer. So, it's walking that fine line. The version of Joel Embiid they got against Phoenix defensively. If that guy's out there, that makes everybody a better defender um that could make you or i an okay defender out that's there his best defensive performance of the year without a easily, doubt yeah. easily uh he was terrific uh so my question to you would be what what concerns you the most now we know james harden is going to be out at least a month i mean is it james harden that concerns you with his health is it you know the fact that james you know joel Embiid's going to have to really carry the load here although i i appreciated doc's comments post game where he basically said he let joel Embiid dictate his minutes last night and say like when you're tired, you tell us and come out. And when you're feeling good, come back in. Um, is it Maxi? Like what? When when you're looking at what could be the issues with Harden out, what do you see? Number one is the health of their two best players come April. That's all that uh, you know. For your Sixers fan, I think you should care about those yeah. guys. I'm not just talking about they're healthy for game one of that round. What's their conditioning situation like? How how banged up have they been this year? Have they sat? Have they sat because it's rest? Have they sat because they're injured? What's befalling Embiid at that time? What's his ailment at the time? Because there's always something, and that's not yeah. just a Joe. Joe's, you know, I would say at a certain point before my current job was with easily my favorite basketball player, probably ever. And I don't know, just the wonkiness there. I worry about. I don't know. I'm. I don't want to be too too negative about the Sixers in, in November. I get no, it. I, there, yeah. there were there there will always be an inherent uh, negativity in my Sixers-ness, which is I wouldn't say a disservice to the fans. Like you can be as excited as you want. Again, I'm not policing your fandom, but there will always be something that stings in me with the Sixers during the regular season. Even if you know Ashley loves going to Sixers games, you know I, I love doing it too. I mean, did it more before I had this job and I was a season ticket holder and all that stuff, but. Um, it's it's and it says more about the, the nature of the modern NBA that there's this kind of the sickness that sits inside me where I'm watching something and I can't even really enjoy it to the full max because I know of the inevitability that is coming in that. I'll say this. 
I, I and again, you're in a different position with oh, your course, specific course. job too and everything. Much different. Um, Dave Early wrote a really good piece about James Harden. And of course, listen, we'll preface it by saying this. Harden's injury was fluky, right? Like he comes down, sure. he, yeah. he gets hurt. It's fluky. Could have happened in the first play of the first game of the season. Like it, it could have easily yeah. just, as, just as easily happened then. Fluky injury. With that said, James Harden at 33 years old, coming off the hamstring issues he had, should not be anywhere close to leading the league in minutes per game. That's insanity. I don't get it. And I think Dave outlined it really well. That's what happened in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant got hurt. Kyrie Irving is a weirdo. And because of that, a lot was asked of James Harden. And he was carrying too big of a load in the regular season on a hamstring that already wasn't great. And it doomed him. And, and that, and then that's when he winds up in Philadelphia. So, I think they need this like, like regular season addition of an extra attacking guard. But then I'm like, is is your big acquisition going to be another guy that can't do shit? Is this going to be attacked offensively in the in the postseason? Like, they need some wing help. There aren't really easy wings, good wings available because well, if there are, because yeah. if there are good wings, teams are keeping them. Keeping them. Yeah. And then I wonder if they need kind of a like a nuclear microwave offense instant offense guy guard to counteract when you know Maxie's shot not be falling or James is sitting and things like that. And I think James should be sitting or playing less more than ever. And I'm just like there's these weird roster construction with this team and it's it's never gotten the formula like completely, completely right, even though they reshaped their roster, you know, in, incessantly since 2017. I'm with you that I, I I've been saying all along I thought a guard that could create offense would be what I would be looking at. Jordan Clarkson was the guy I had circled pretty heavily. As Jamal guy Crawford. Who... <laughs> no, I'm not going to say what I want to say. Uh, but no, not Jamal Crawford. Um, hell of a guy, Jamal Crawford. I'll say that. Um, I'm sure he is. Yeah. Um, like kind of a legendary player, but obviously I had to. I had yeah, to sure. But no, I, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to the flyers. Um, Torts. So John Tortorella decided to bench another player who they're paying a lot of money to. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen is 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 the latest to catch the wrath of Torts. Uh, did not play. Supposedly is is going to get back in the lineup on Tuesday night. We'll see here. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, so we'll see if he's back in the night and how he kind of performs. Uh, I, I at first when he did this, when it was I think it was Konechny and and Hayes, he did it to uh, in like the third period of a game. I think he's done it to another guy during a game as well. I can't think of who off the top of my head. And you were of the mind that you could see this wearing and grading on guys, you know, because he's already doing it in November. What's it going to look like, you know? Or even January, if this year goes January. well, what does it look like in December of year two? Right. I think I think he is a infinitely more accomplished Doug Collins at this stage in his career where he's a guy that comes in and you see it every year Doug Collins came into a place the record his first year was better than it was the year before he got fired in year three every time because of that worth thin. and Torts again has achieved the pinnacle of the sport right and it's a little bit different there but I'm making a Philadelphia comp for a team that is mired in this again apathy that I compared to a Doug Collins era Sixers team in terms of how the city views the team what their future outlook is things like that but I think it's something that could bring some instantaneous success. Look, it has this season with this surprising start, but also leaves me worried about it wearing thin again, not just come January, February of this year, maybe January, February of year two, too. And that's when it really blows up and you're 
looking for a new coach after already. And it just, I don't know. No. I feel like no, I was um, a downer. I feel like I was a downer today. Other than the, no, the well, listen, other than the AJ Brown stuff, I was a downer today. <laughs> I'm bringing this up only because now I'm kind of more on your side that this is like already happening. Again. It's way too much too fast. I think. Yeah. And I'm not, I know, like I, I know Rasmus Rosalina was like that, that trade wasn't the sexiest and a lot of people were not a fan of it. Yeah. A lot of people, not a huge fan of his extension. And, you know, he kind of plays more of an old school style and, you know, his advanced numbers are shit and all that. And I, I understand all of these things. But I see respectfully a guy like a Nick Sealer, and I'm like, you're going to tell me that Rissolani can't add more to the lineup than Nick Sealer. And then I see Cam York in Lehigh Valley, and I'm like, what, like, what are we doing with these guys? Like, And then towards the beginning of the year, said, I want to play the kids. I want to play the kids. And now, again, Cam York's playing really well for the Phantoms and just, just sitting there. Just sitting there. You're going to tell me he can't help your hockey? Like, you're going to tell me he can't learn from you at this level. Um, so I th- that's my concern because it's this is not this is not a team that's trying to win a Stanley Cup, right? Like this is a team that's trying to establish a new culture and and develop younger players and and like what are we doing when we're not playing those young players and we're playing guys that are like these like veteran guys that you know towards has a familiarity with in the past so he's playing like it's it's very Doc Rivers ish um, from that standpoint of like, why it's, are we playing? You de- Doc- a guy you definitely want to get compared to if you're a professional sports head coach. I think I'm going to wrap the podcast up on that note because I would, I wish to not comment further on that. You're not, you can comment on it, and that's fine, but I'm going to leave my comment there. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on that further. Please don't. For but your listen, um, thank you, Seamus, for getting us all depressed again as if we weren't all depressed enough Saturday night. Daylight, daylight savings time kicks in, I, baby. It's uh, I, I, I opened the windows or not the one, the windows actually the blinds to let some natural light in for recording this. Cause it goes on YouTube. We do video clips already dark out. It's dark out right now. Yeah. I'm looking outside. It sucks. Um, well, you know, what's super fun is when you have a kid and they wake up. <laughs> Are you, I don't know about that one. Dude, and they wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Um, that's not that fun. That sucks. <laughs> so that was not a very fun day. Uh, because it's like, oh yeah, I've gained an hour of sleep. Nope. I sure didn't. I did not. In a weird way, I I kind of still wound up losing an hour because then I was like ready for bed by like five o'clock. It sucked. Um, but yeah. You know what? That extra hour I got, it was awesome, I have to say. Yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> um, I'm not going to reserve comment on that one as well. Uh, but yeah, other than, you know, other than you depressing the hell out of us, uh, thank you very much for hopping on with me as usual. Seamus. Eagles are eight. No ride the wave. Yeah, there we go. Just way to bring it back. Yeah. My, I'll leave you with some positivity. Uh, there's a nine zero chance of 20. And I think if you ran the probability, if you ran some models, I think it happens a non zero amount of times. Go birds. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for this edition of the thirsty dogs. Drink Faster Podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Please rate, subscribe, download wherever you get your podcasts. For Seamus Fancy, I am Paul Hudson.